0: When the Canadian Olympic Committee announced Sunday night that it would not be sending athletes to the Olympics in Tokyo this summer, regardless of whether the Games were held or not, it dramatically accelerated the momentum behind postponement. Soon after, Australia announced that it, too, was pulling out. Both of those decisions followed a similar push in the United States, where the national governing bodies overseeing swimming and track and field called on the USOC to press for postponement. Then this afternoon, longtime IOC member Dick Pound made headlines when he told USA Today that it was a done deal, that the decision had been made to postpone the Games, and it was no longer a question of if, but a matter of how. We'll look at how a global pandemic has thrown the most global of all sporting events into the wind on this episode of SBJ Unpacks. I'm Bill King, joined now by our Olympics writer, Ben Fisher. Ben, the story of these games has moved really quickly. Take us through what NGBs here in the States were talking about last week, especially as athletes began to voice concern, and then how things accelerated in these last 24 hours.
1: Well, all last week, um, just there was a gradual, um, first gradual and then rapid buildup of of recognition that the status quo simply can't hold. Um, At first, some very outspoken athletes who maybe have the uh, revenue streams to give them a little bit of independence from their governing bodies. We're saying things. And over the course of four or five days, every time I checked with somebody um, in the Olympic movement, it became more and more obvious that it was just absurd. I I think in the United States, the tipping point was when Colorado state authorities clarified that their rules on uh, shutting down public places included the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, where, you know, Gymnasts, boxers, and a number of other people live and train full time at this critical moment, and they're allowed to stay in the dorms, but they're not allowed to go work out in pools or gymnasiums. And we're hearing about like Katie Ledecky going like four or five days without being in the pool because her usual place at Stanford is shut down. Um, Then on Friday, it really came to a crest when USA Swimming CEO Tim Hinchy. Uh, put out a statement that said uh, he wanted the USOC to seek a one year delay from the IOC. And that was pretty remarkable because all of these um, sports bodies, like swimming and track, the individual teams, they are members of the USOC and they depend on the USOC for a lot money everything else. And for them to get out ahead of uh, the USOC and ask them to do something like that, so publicly, was, was very consequential, but also noticed for sort of inside political reasons. And then less than 12 hours later, USA Track and Field came behind with a very similar argument. That was pretty extraordinary. And um, that, that clearly led to a, a belief that the IOC had to say something, which led us to Sunday's excitement um, on the international level.
0: This afternoon, longtime IOC member Dick Pound found his way into the headlines again when he told USA Today's Christine Brennan that the decision had been made to postpone. An IOC spokesman responded, quote, it is the right of every IOC member to interpret the decision of the IOC executive board, which was announced yesterday. Ben, what should we make of that?
1: Uh, I think we should make of it that a very senior member of the IOC has come to the same conclusion that a lot of other people have, that it's only a matter of time before the IOC officially announces a postponement to the Olympics. Um, But to be clear, that is a conclusion drawn from the facts, just as many other people have. Dick Pound is uh, a nice guy. He's a very smart guy. He always picks up the phone, which puts him high on my list but he's not on the inside of the rooms where these decisions are actually being made. He's not on the executive board of the IOC. He's not a decision maker in Japanese politics or the Tokyo Organizing Committee. This is a very probable to be true guess at what, if you, what what's going to come. And uh, to be totally frank, USA Today has characterized it as an official announcement from the IOC, and that's not the case.
0: We've seen Canada and Australia both Publicly, Not only publicly call for the games to be pushed back, but say, hey, we're not going. I mean, if you have it, we're not going, right? A little different from what we've seen in this country so far. Are there others? Do you expect to see others? Do you expect the U.S. to be one of those that says that, that if there isn't a decision forthcoming soon, that they're going to say, force their hand and say, okay, guess what? We're out.
1: Um I think it's unlikely you're gonna see that based on what we know right now from the US. Um but that could change in a hurry. The US Olympic Committee has a survey survey out to athletes. Um, seeking guidance from the athletes, it's important for a number of reasons. Here, the usfc doesn't move faster than its sort of athlete contingents. It's it's been working very hard to, um, you know, present itself as more amenable to the rank and file athlete. Um, if they get a clear result back from that survey, they could well come out in the next twenty four hours and say something along the lines of what the Canadians and the Australians did yesterday. Um, the Germans I'm seeing just now have uh, also advocated for a year delay. They haven't said that they're definitely staying away. Um, but but a- anyway, back to the Canadians. Um, that was a big big moment. Um, you know, there were clearly people saying things like "2020 makes no sense." We would like a delay, but to say we are categorically not going that changed the mm-hmm. whole conversation. And I think you can expect that to um, free up others to feel like they can say that too. I mean, nobody wants to be the first to go against or to sort of challenge the IOC so directly. But once somebody like Canada does, it makes it that much easier for everybody else.
0: I thought it was interesting to, you know, as, as, as you started to see this build still last week, there was the transport of the flame, right? It, It was almost as if things are going on just as they were supposed to, at least in the eyes of the games organizers in Tokyo. Did you take anything away from that? Do you think that was at all a message to the rest of the world saying, hey, we go forward, we're going forward? Or was that just, it's on the schedule and it's going to proceed until otherwise? And oh, by the way, to see a public gathering around the transport of that flame, I thought was also a, a bit striking at this time.
1: Yeah, I don't think that was necessarily a signal to anybody. I think that just was a sign of how critically important this is for uh, the country of Japan and the political leadership of Japan right now, and I think the reason this is moving so slowly is because the IOC had, had been, uh, you know, having a hard was having a hard time convincing the Japanese that yeah, something was going to have to change. Um, and I think now that the IOC has said so on Sunday, the Japanese government, uh, Prime Minister Abe, have been saying things today, recognizing the need for a delay. But I, I think all last week what that, what that uh, torch really was saying was that the Japanese were holding out hope against all hope that this could go on as planned. Because look, the, the vast, vast majority of financial losses associated with postponing the games accrued to the Japanese. And they are the ones pushing for a short delay, not a long delay already. And I think what we saw last week was them just sort of hoping that somehow this could keep happening, even in in the face of the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. And, and I sort of, to, to defend them, I sort of understand that. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, that, that the mindset of like a pro American pro leagues, like the NFL has been, we're going to continue to conduct business that we feel we can. Um, and. I, I'm not sure a torch relay falls into that category because it's by definition right. a public event. Um, so I'm not saying that it's the same decision or it's the same level of responsibility there. But uh, I think that's what we're seeing there is the Japanese are just sort of hoping to keep moving and they catch a break somewhere. They're clearly not though. This is going to have to be delayed.
0: Why is it important to Japan that this goes on as scheduled? You talked about you know the massive financial losses that would accrue to the host country. Why is it necessarily financial losses as opposed to just postponed losses? Or or financial losses as opposed to just a movement of when the money comes in?
1: Hmm. Well, that's true. I mean, it may be a little early to say this money is permanently lost, but it's there's so much unwinding to be done. Presumably there are hotels that were planning on taking media or other or sponsor guests in Tokyo this summer that just simply won't be able to do it next summer. And I couldn't begin to tell you what the contracts say about who pays what, if those get unwound. Uh, one obvious thing is the Athletes Village in Tokyo. Had, most of those units have been sold to private buyers as condominiums that were supposed to come on market by January of next year. All those contracts need to be reconsidered as a result of a postponement and i think um you know one of the most dangerous things you can do is to simply say oh there's insurance or you know they'll just postpone it it'll be fine i think we all know insurance doesn't necessarily work like that you're going to get into court and figure it out and what you're going to mm-hmm. end up with even if you're fully insured is probably something less of the, of, than what you would actually get also all these postponements are subject to legal considerations um, organizational changes some of this there will certainly be losses just because you can't just delay it a year. If nothing else, severe cash flow problems.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about that. The logistics that we would be talking about in terms of pushing the games back a year, beginning with Tokyo, with all the Olympic teams, with everyone else, what are the logistics of all that look like? I mean, it's never happened before, so we don't know. What's, what are the pieces here? You mentioned hotel availability, for example. Um, is that something that you think is, is even doable?
1: I think with enough money and enough national cajoling, everything is possible. Um, Japan is not quite a command economy. If this was China, they'd simply do it and you wouldn't hear much about the fights going back and forth. Um, Japan is not that, but Japan is a little bit more of a team play economy than the United States. And if mm-hmm. uh, you know the national government of Japan says this is what they're doing, then the, pro- the public, the private sector will will by and large go along with that. Um, so it's not impossible. But like I said, surely out of those dozens of hotels, some of them just won't be able to do it. Uh, sporting venues in general have been committed for other purposes. In Tokyo and again those aren't insurmountable but somebody might have to write a big check to make up for whatever that new contract says Um, around the world uh, if it's a year delay the uh, world swimming championships in 2021 would have to be moved or reconsidered the world track and field championships that are supposed to be in Eugene, Oregon would be happening at the same time as the Olympics and obviously that wouldn't stand that would have to be moved since Mm -hmm. they would be competing over the same athletes um, then you get down to the national governing body level, um, the f- roughly 40 some NGBs in the United States that run summer Olympic sports get a hugely disproportionate share of their revenue in, in Olympic number of years. And even if they ultimately get every penny they're going to, there's going to be cash flow problems for them. This mm-hmm. year. Um, I could go on almost at length, but those are the obvious ones. Uh, let's not, boy, we forgot the big one, NBC. Um NBC's um the Lions share their rights fee to the Olympics, don't actually get paid until the opening ceremony. So they will just hold on to their money if they don't happen this year. The IOC has got a big hole in their budget, at least from a cash flow standpoint. But then again, NBC is not going to get all their income either from the ads they sold. So all of that gets pushed on. And again, not to say that's not a a solvable problem, but it's billable hours for lawyers and likely something short of what you would have gotten otherwise by the time you push it out of here.
0: Major sponsors certainly already were worried about making plans and whether anybody that they were going to take would even want to go, right? I wonder for them, is pushing back preferable at this time? I mean, they've obviously would have budgeting concerns, but I suspect that could be moved. Where do you think that they land on this? Well,
1: it depends on your contract because there's a there's a few sponsors whose contracts expired in 2020 and- would not necessarily be entitled to sponsor a games in 2021. Um, So that's a tough thing to do. What do you do there? Um, The sponsorship contracts are written in such a way that they don't depend on any one game. Um, All us domestic sponsors are in that position because LA 28 was guaranteed an open playing field effective January 21. So those ones are going to have to have a much more difficult conversation. They get some percentage of their feedback. Or does their contract get extended a year to account for that? Of the ones of the sponsors, though, that already have rights through 21, there's a lot to be said for pushing off the expenses with a little bit more certainty. Because nightmare scenario is you commit all in to $100 million of promotional and activation costs, and then they don't make a decision until a week out, and it's just a hash. This way, at least whatever it is a year later might be a more coherent, normal event and that's what a sponsor wants in this situation it's just coherence and predictability and certainty
0: and, and you were already hearing right that in the in in the US community anyway in the US sponsorship community not a lot of people are looking forward to traveling this summer right and so the difficulty of if you are a US company of activating that thing at the level that you were going to i mean that was just not going to happen right
1: Right, and the worst part was for years and years and years until like literally a month ago, the Tokyo games were being sh- were shaping up as one of the most in demand games. So everyone went on the high end of their their range in terms of asking for hotel rooms, and you know there's there's in some cases with the U.S. Olympic Committee there's there's promised donations that are tied to like luxury experiences around the games, and there's an extraordinary amount of demand when Visa brings all of it. You know, like banking customers to the games um, in a matter of weeks the interest in that had fallen off a cliff so even if the games were managed to manage to continue on from an athletics standpoint um, the sponsors were already seeing dramatic changes to their their plans and their programming here and possibly even losses related to that sharp decrease in, in interest in attending the games
0: all right as the guy who covers the sports books I'll be the betting guy for a moment if you had to handicap this, this week, do we hear something this week? Do we hear a cancellation this week? Do you think it comes as soon as the next day or two?
1: Well, I'm not sure I have enough money or I have enough uh, enough real information to make a responsible bet. But what the heck, it's a, it's a hypothetical. Um, I would bet on something else coming from the IOC this week saying that we are postponing it. Um, I know that's a baby step. Um, I think people would want to date. I think the reason the Olympics gave themselves four weeks in their announcement yesterday is because figuring out what plan B is, is an authentically very difficult thing to do. Um, You know, It's one thing to say I think they can say right now Yes, we are going to give up Hosting the games as planned I think the pressure they've received Just since their announcement Sunday That they were beginning to scenario plan Is going to make it untenable for them To continue to suggest There's any possibility of this happening On July 24th as planned So I think maybe a safe Somewhat likeliest scenario Is this week they say Okay, we're going to put it off But we really do need a couple of weeks To figure out Till when Um, Of course, just behind that is second most likely thing to happen is that we simply hear nothing this week and the IOC just hunkers down and continues to let these various bodies have their say and they weather another week of bad press. Uh, which is not out of the question. I mean, the ISC not historic historically has not been ever one to be you know pushed into saying something. So that that's probably the second most likely thing to have happen. Way down the list in terms of likelihood is that we hear us for certain. Plan B. We're definitely pushing this off to a date certain. I wouldn't expect that for a few more weeks yet.
0: Not even to say we're pushing it back and it's not this year.
1: Uh, I suppose that's probably. Number three on that list of likelihood. But I don't think they're going to want to give a date until they know what it is.
0: All right, Ben Fisher, thanks so much for helping us unpack this latest turn in the Olympic story. Sure thing. SBJ Unpacks is now its own podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify for real-time discussions about the biggest topics in sports business. You can find links in our show notes below.